Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Roots 11 at 15, and Hummel's Wharf. It's great to have you with us today on the show. And in just a few moments, we'll hear from Neil Kulong. USA Today. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. Oh, there's a cat. A black cat is taking the field. A black cat is running from the 20 to the near side, the 10. From the 39 in Dallas, here's a short throw down the middle, caught by Ingram. Caught at the 35, went to the 30. Now the cat running the other way, and so is Ingram at the 30 to the 25, to the 24-yard line of the Dallas Cowboys. It's a catcher on a 15. Now the cat is stopped at the 50. So is it bad luck for the Giants? Is it bad luck know. for the Cowboys? I don't know, but they've stopped playing. The players with hands on hips are watching the cat run and zigzag all over the field. The black cat is at the other end of the field. He's black at the cat eight. doesn't know that it was last Thursday that was Halloween. Thursday oh, night right. football, yeah, not Monday night football. He's a little bit late. Now he is sitting <laughs> and looking. Now he's at the five. He's Who brought walking. the cat? He's walking to the three. He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CDW, people who get it now, a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field. And the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. And the cat is elusive, kind of like Barkley and Elliott. But he didn't know where to go. Look at, they're trying to corner him. And they got him in the end zone. There are state troopers all around this cat, which now climbs up into the stands. And the fans are running for their line. Now it goes back on the field again. And it's running in the back of the end zone. And it runs up the tunnel. <laughs> and for Giants fans, that was the highlight. <laughs> By the way, Steve, we were lucky enough to get uh, the black cat here for post-game conversation. Uh, what were your thoughts while you were out on the field last night? <laughs> and as the play was going on in progress, your first reaction was to go in the other direction? Thanks for your time. Sounds like the guy running the staff meeting on Monday. uh, (laughs) Which I did not attend yesterday. (laughs) I can guarantee you in no uncertain terms you didn't miss anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's good to hear Matt Catrillo, the... uh, We'll have to remove the interim tag from him as the interim play-by-play voice of Shiklami football. All right, so uh... we're on a mission from God, on a quest. Oh, it's a quest. We'll win. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, bring in on the hotline, the red line, Neil Kulong. Neil, welcome. Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me now? Uh, yes, I can. And we just used the wrong red phone. <laughs> I figured. I, I heard it. I heard you in the background. I tried to answer. I wasn't sure if uh, 
if I'd be brought in, but I think this is better than, than most of our other intros. <laughs> All right, Neil, let's get the to... human side. You know, you know it's... it's Every once in a while, we hit the wrong button. Hey, you know, I, I'm all I'm all thumbs. All right, uh, <laughs> that's why I announce I'm not coordinated enough to play anything. Uh, so let's get to this three-game winning streak. What would you say is the common thread on all this besides playing backup quarterbacks? <laughs> um, that's that's a good question. I mean, there are a lot of different ways how you slice the pie. Uh, usually what I would come to is if it's a three-game winning streak, it should have been a four. I mean, really, yeah, they, they really. beat Baltimore. Yeah. Um, that's Everyone's complaining about officiating, and I don't really want to go there. I just mean that that was one of the worst roughing the passer calls I've ever seen, <laughs> simply because if not for the flag, that would have been a, a, a textbook example on how to show players how to hit a quarterback. Right. I mean, it was an absolutely ridiculous call, and that drive should have ended right there. The Steelers should have won that game. It should mm-hmm. be a four-game winning streak. Right. So we look at all of that. The key thing clearly is defense. And I, to me, a huge part of it is you have a playmaker back there that can flip the field, uh, obviously you know, change possessions, uh, limit the opposing ability to score, and th- th- these seem like foreign concepts in Pittsburgh because this team hasn't done it in in the better part of this decade. They've been hitting the quarterback. They've been creating pressure the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, a very underrated uh, stat that people don't seem to really know is the Steelers have been uh, top three in sacks, like the last three, maybe even four seasons. Right. They, they probably have more sacks than anybody else over that time. Um, they've, they've been a great pass rushing team that has not. Uh, translated into turnovers, uh, into takeaways. That, that's a huge part of why uh, defensively they're sagging in the middle. They, they give the opposing team more plays than anybody else. They, they don't take the ball away often. They haven't really done a whole lot to, to get teams off the field in, three, in, in uh, three snaps, and we're seeing more and more of their ability to do that. So, to me, that's the theme, and this is really what the Steelers wanted to emphasize this year. If you were to go back into um, late December into January, if they were looking ahead uh, to their future plans for 2019, this would be the kind of defense that they envisioned. Uh, they just probably envisioned Antonio Brown and a healthy Ben Roethlisberger on the other side, maybe even Le'Veon Bell. I, you know, we, we won't really know on that. But where they are now, they're getting the defensive side of things uh, fixed and adjusted. Point um, For the rest of the way, they're going to need it because this offense has been getting away with murder up to this point. I, I'm not sure how much longer it's going to last. The more you put on film uh, with Mason Rudolph, the easier it's going to be to figure out what little it is he's doing. And they're, they're going to struggle to score points. Right. I agree with you. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think he's played that well. I think, I think he's been okay, but I don't think he's really played. Woo, hey, I'm blown away. Um, all right, so let's. I want to get to TJ Watt. Where have you seen him develop? Because obviously, if you're going to make the, the move from Wisconsin to the Steelers, there's going to be a transition period that's going to happen. And then, how do you emerge from the transition period? How's he emerged from the, from the transition period in your, in your estimation? To me, I think that's a fantastic question to ask, and to me, it goes back to yeah, what I've really. It's about time. I mean, it's taken me. It's <laughs> taken me years. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I really wish Mike Tomlin. If, if you would have asked Mike Tomlin that question, I bet he would have loved to answer it because I, I think he said it the best uh, when he drafted Watt. It's not that he's raw; it's that he's inexperienced. And what he really meant by that, in my mind, was you had the potential. 
of, of an excellent player who had a lot of his time in college cut short due to injury. But when you see him when he was out there, when he was healthy, he's a good player. He just didn't get the time to really develop uh, a lot of the pass rush moves, a lot of the hand fighting, um, you know, that, 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 that internal combat that you need uh, to create pressure on a consistent basis. He didn't get a chance to really show that on film. Right. That's why he fell to 30. That's why, I mean, he came in, he did okay as a rookie. He was pretty good. He's gotten better and better. But over the last, I'd say, 19 games, he's been an all-pro. And I yeah. think that's what Tomlin meant when he said that really he needs reps. He needs time. He needs to, to be able to develop. That's the only thing that's holding him back, and it's not his fault. I mean, you get hurt, you get hurt. He hasn't had a problem with that, knock on wood, up to this point. And we're seeing uh, he's really stepping into a, an elite defensive player um, you know, role in the NFL. I, I think he's going to continue to get better, too. Uh, the game has definitely slowed down for him, and uh, he's using his hands at, at a, a veteran level. I mean, a lot of this is, in my opinion, the result of – throwing him out there every snap when he was a rookie, mm-hmm. um, you know, high or low, he was going to be out there playing. And he's put a lot of work in. Keep in mind, I mean, John Mitchell is still to this day one of the best defensive coaches in the game. Um, we've seen him do great things with several, uh, you know, whether it's a, a pass rusher, uh, whether it's an internal defensive lineman. They, the Steelers have done a great job teaching the art of hand fighting. And the mm-hmm. best ones all have that same trait in common. Watt is extremely difficult to block off that edge. And to be honest, I think he's a better run defender right now than he is a, a pass rusher and he's an excellent pass rusher he's in the backfield almost every time he rushes it's really hard to stop him one-on-one um as we saw indianapolis there were a couple times for some reason they put a tight end on him to block him and watch just blew him away and in my opinion you put a, a, a tight end on an elite level pass rusher he's going to ragdoll that tight end every single time and until he's able to do that, he's not an elite-level pass rusher because there will be times you have to block everybody with a tight end. There will be times the team has to slide protection down uh, with a less-inclined blocker, and the high-level pass rusher is going to tear him up, and that's what Watt has done um, so over the last good stretch of time. I mean, he's definitely a legit pro bowler this year. I think you know, you're looking at sky's the limit for a player like him right now. Has that always been the problem for Dupree? I always felt like he that teams get into his body with relative ease, and he de- he can't fight them off with his hands. But when he speed rushes and blows by you, he's got you. Yeah, I think with Dupree, um, you were really looking at. I mean, without question, the rawest player that Kevin Colbert has drafted in the first round. Right. Um, there were fourth-round picks. That's the project round that had more uh, current technical ability than Bud Dupree did. Keep in mind, he was a four-year starter at Kentucky, and it wasn't a high-level player even at the end right. of that. I mean, he couldn't have had more reps. But at the same time, he was recruited as a tight end. He never had a, a defensive position coach. It was always the, the coordinator uh, running things right. in Kentucky. Right. They they did Bud wrong in a lot of ways. I think if Bud had gone to a different school, I mean, you, you look back at his history, it makes you kind of wonder why he never transferred. But for whatever reason, he, he stayed there. They did him wrong. And I, I can say that because I gave a radio spot right after he was drafted, and I gave that assessment, and the defensive coordinator was the next guy calling in. So I, I always remember that about Bud. But what you see with him now is – uh, he's put all of that to work. And they, they adopted the same strategy with Dupree that they did with Watt. They got him on the field a ton right away because he had to climb. He had a, a long way to go. I would have said 
Watt was more ready for the NFL than Dupree was right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought after a while, Dupree can turn into a pretty good player. I think that took a little bit longer than I thought it would, but at the same time, where he is now, I think he's better than I thought he was going to be. And it really, in, in a lot of ways, with his athleticism, and the, the game has, you know, he's really caught up to his peers, and he's able to beat them now on something other than just blowing past them with, right. with you know, a high level of speed that he has. Um, he, he's capable of doing much more because he's seeing the full game. He gets it now. Uh, it's, it's fun to watch. You know, you're looking at a, a long, uh, you know, a, a long time of developing. Uh, not just them, but other players that have come and gone from the Steelers. It's been a long time since they've had a real dominant edge presence like they have now. So, I mean, it, it's it's good that they've turned that corner. And what has that meant to a guy like who has a nose for the ball like Micah Fitzpatrick, who's really playing center field? I think he's he's the perfect addition to that defense, and that's exactly why they were willing to do something yeah. uh, unprecedented in this general manager, unprecedented for the franchise in 40 years. Uh, they were going to trade a first-round pick because he is the exact fit of what they needed in that defense. They tried to make uh, Mike Mitchell into that. They've tried to make Sean Davis into that. They tried to make Terrell Edmonds into that. Fitzpatrick came in and did it in five games at a higher level than any of those guys ever did. I mean, that, that's how good this kid is. It's not a coincidence that he's picking up these, these uh, you know, tipped passes, these errant thrown balls. Nobody else ever caught him with the Steelers. That's the difference. It's not that they didn't happen. Uh, nobody was ever there. He's around the ball all the time. I hate to make comparisons like this because it really isn't fair, but the last defensive Steelers player that we saw with that level of instinct was Paul Amalo. Sure. And Fitzpatrick, who's a completely different player. I'm not comparing the two at all. Right. Um, they, they play different roles completely. I mean, Fitzpatrick is hanging out in the back more than anything else. Mm-hmm. If anything, he's more like an Ed Reed. I mean, he just he has yeah. such an amazing instinct for the game. He knows where the ball is going. He's in the perfect place to intercept everything that he catches. I mean, do you ever see him after an interception? Look how natural he looks. Right. He's perfectly balanced. He's perfectly fluid because he knows exactly where the ball is going to land. That's a skill. That's an inherent skill that you can't coach. Um, he's the exact safety that they need on that defense. In fact, I don't even know. Is Sean Davis still injured? Does he even play? We haven't even seen him anymore. And it's not a coincidence that the defense has been ratcheted up uh, in the time that Fitzpatrick has been out there because it's both him as well as the addition by subtraction. Um, that, that's how good he is, and that's how badly the Steelers' secondary needed that kind of a player. And it, it, an excellent move by the Steelers. They were panned for it at first. I thought that it was much more likely that Fitzpatrick was going to make this kind of impact than not do anything at all. Um, and he's 22 years old. They still got him on the cheap for two years and a, a, an option year in, in three. He's going to be a pro bowler this year. It, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch just because the Steelers have put so much – into rebuilding this defense. They're finally getting it to pay off, and I don't think it was a way anybody would have expected this time last year, that's for sure. Has the game in any way slowed down for Mason Rudolph? Uh, No. No, not at all. Um, On on the flip side of everything that I just said, how excited I am defensively. Um, Rudolph it, it, this is a bad example. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm teaching my kid how to ride a, an inline scooter, right? So it's got two wheels. I'm you have bet, to coordinate bet, your balance. This is interesting. I'd like to see video. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's entertaining, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Uh, you've, you've got to keep your balance even, right? And if you turn the, the steering wheel a little bit one way or another, uh, you have to keep your balance with that. She isn't to the point where she can grasp keeping her balance and keeping the wheel straight at the same time. That's like watching Mason Rudolph sit in the pocket. 
there are times where you aren't sure if he's looking down the field. You aren't sure if he's looking at the, the rush that's coming in. And there are plays where it's obvious to me he's not looking at either of them. He took a safety inside the pocket. I mean, you, I, for the life, I don't think I've ever even seen that. He had no concept at all that there were pass rushers closing in on him. Yeah. He fumbled the ball, he got tackled in the end zone, and he didn't even try to escape. That's not a physical thing. That's purely mental. And there's no way that they gave him an ultra-complex play when he was sitting inside the end zone. He can't make the reads very quickly. He isn't recognizing whatever the defense is doing. <clears throat> and because of that, he's a second behind the defense that just collapses on him and, and puts him down. Uh, he hasn't, to his credit, he hasn't taken a ton of sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, the interceptions he's throwing are bouncing off his receiver's hand somehow. Right. But overall, he's doing very little to help the team win the game. And mm-hmm. frankly, I, I think it's almost a miracle that they were able to beat a, a pretty good Colts team without James Conner in the game. I mean, it, they have nothing offensively. Uh, and, and Rudolph, it, if anything, I'd say that he's worse. I'm not sure if, if it has something to do with the, the hit that he took against Baltimore, but right. he's played poorly for most of the last three games that he's been in. So that that's going to be a problem for them. Uh, and I've talked about this many times on the show, that there's, quote, no cradle of quarterbacks. I mean, you, I mean we can go through every quarterback in the league, and they're all from different universities all over the place. Right? It's the job of the coach at that university to put together a system that allow, that gives that team the best chance to win. Oh, and by the way, if you happen to develop into an NFL player, awesome. And they'll brag about you for obvious reasons. He was in a system at Oklahoma State that did not entail a lot of reading. It was a lot of pitch and catch. Is it obvious when you watch him that that it's like this is all new and foreign to me? Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, I go back to the processing piece of it. Um, he really can't view what's going on, comprehend it, and then make a decision. And I, I was speaking with somebody in, in social media about this topic. Everyone always talks about Tom Brady. Well, all he does is just throw the ball short. It's not a question of the distance that you're throwing. It, it's a question of recognizing where the defense is and then where the ball needs right. to go. Exactly. Um, more often than not, it's going to go short if that's how you're reading it because that that's the, the quickest, simplest throw. It's, it's in many ways the hardest to defend. Right. Um, he can't do that. He's dumping it off short, which is great, but that's the product of going through – I don't, I don't even know how many reads he's able to get through, but he's throwing short because it's open. It's almost like mm-hmm. that's the only thing that he's seeing right away yeah. and kind of panics. Um, going back to your, your question, it, it's exactly that. The game is not slowing down for him at all. It, it's still moving way faster than he's able to comprehend it. And in, in my opinion, it, it really shows uh, how good of a job uh, the Steelers coaching staff has done, the defensive side of the ball yes. has done. To, to be four and right. four right now because it's I mean it's, I didn't it's, think they because it's masking him yeah yeah they, they're they're able to hide him in such a way yeah that all they're really in a lot of cases all they're telling him to do is complete a pass <laughs> okay yes. just get the ball to somebody who's going to catch it yeah uh, they're not asking him to lead game winning drives which right. he hasn't done I'd be surprised if he was able to do that they, they've asked him to do. Uh, next to nothing, and you put him out there in a game without Connor, who is without question the offensive MVP at this point in the season, uh, for them to have gotten what they got out of him and walked out of there with a win. 
Uh, Mike Tomlin went back shaking his head. I guarantee you there's no way they should have won that game. Um, I I think the luck is going to run out. I think it's going to be a real tough 10-day stretch for the Steelers when when they're looking at not even 10 days, uh, five days. Uh, They're they're looking at the Rams at home. This is Wade Phillips who now probably has enough film to really dissect what Rudolph is doing, what's giving him the most trouble. They're going to give him fits. And then to have to go to Cleveland, which is going to be – that's an insane environment to go into anyway. Plus, you give them all day to to lube up for the game Uh, against a quarterback like that. They're going to rip him apart because Freddie Kitchen's job's on the line now. These are going to be two really tough games for the Steelers. I I think – uh, you know, their defense has been able to, to you know, kind of keep things alive to some degree, but I, I think they're going to regress to the mean. Um, it's it's going to be a rough week, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I still think um, my thought going into the season was that this team was really going to struggle early, which they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, you know, and that was assuming a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, taking him out of that now, um, putting in a, a in many ways a woefully deficient player and getting four wins out of it and being competitive at the halfway point. You know, that's that's an outstanding job for what I thought they'd be. If no you would have told me this scenario before, I would have said easily two and six. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're lucky to get two. You know, that, that's because you're playing the Dolphins and the Bengals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> two teams that aren't really doing much better. But uh, I, I think we're going to regress the, the, the mean a little bit more here. But um, it's too bad. I, I, you know, fans should enjoy this now just because you're, you're building, they're building a foundation for something much better than where they are now but this is year zero in a lot of ways i mean look at their offense they're so young you know deontay johnson probably wasn't expected to get as much playing time as he's getting jalen samuels just caught 13 passes in a game and didn't make a play after one of them connor isn't playing um they're they're young everywhere it's so hard to to uh Mm -hmm. scheme up anything for an offense that, that has no experience the way that they do and you know hats off to them for getting what they are it's going to make them a stronger team next year but this is still probably at best an eight and eight team right right exactly i mean so i laughed a couple weeks ago i'll let you go here neil but but somebody said you know who'd they be a couple weeks ago they struggle with right And, and they said well we always play down to teams like that i said excuse me you're not good enough right now to play down to anybody. <laughs> okay. okay, you're assuming you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. You aren't. All right. People, people have been assuming the Steelers yeah. are 12 and 4 every game they play for the last 20 years, I and I don't understand why. We play down to teams like that. No, you aren't good enough to play down to anybody. Okay? You've overreached okay. at that point if you think they're playing down. Have you watched the games? Well, God, yeah, Neil, exactly. thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll keep you on speed dial on the red phone definitely thanks for having me guys (laughs) neil kulong will come back with more in a moment here on news radio 1070 wkok when it comes to car buying there's the other guy's way and then there's the smc way the other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want the subway motors way lets you take the time you need to browse ask questions and take the test drive and think on it for over 100 years the mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have the other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade no matter how much they say they will the smc way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth the smc way is to offer you all 
applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570-286-5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sealands Grove will be the team that's in action on Eagle 107 coming up on Friday night. They are the lone team that we broadcast that is still alive in all of this. Bucknell basketball opens tonight. That's on Eagle 107. Nittany Line basketball opens tonight with Maryland Eastern Shore in the Jordan Center. That will be at 7 tonight. Dick Girardi and I on beginning at 6.30 here on News Radio 1070. WKOK. Was there? Did you see the big news yesterday? Before we get the tour here, did you see the big news yesterday? Uh, you can't be thinking about the black cat. We covered that earlier in the hour. So. No, but that's the state of sports right now. I mean, I, I used to think I used to think the games were interesting. Now every local sports cast in America is showing. I'm seeing ghosts and black cats. Uh, you know, and I'm interested in what the final score is. I, I feel like a dinosaur. Uh, all right. Um, <laughs> did you see who bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and bought the IndyCar Series? I did hear about this. Must had uh, must had a little bit of extra money lying around, or maybe right. Yeah, Roger Penske. Wonder how long he had that kind of in the back of his mind, and. Hmm. Very Guess which person in the building doesn't like Roger Penske. <laughs> wow. Our award-winning play-by-play guy of the Shikolimi yes. Graves. He is not a Roger Penske guy. Oh, man. I'm surprised. Ne- he has not brought that up to my attention today. He really must be buried in his work for, in order for him to not barge no. into my studio or, or into my office to uh, talk about it for a couple of minutes. Yeah, that's called somebody scrambling. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Football fans want to hear about the game this week. Yitor Gross Matos had a chance to talk with the media earlier today. How you doing, Yitor? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I just want to ask about the bye week. You know, how was it? How'd you use it, I guess, to rest and recover? And did you get a chance to go home, maybe see some family or anything like that? Uh, no, I was actually here all weekend. Um, I just spent a lot more time in the film room with my teammates and uh, in the recovery beds, taking advantage of uh, having that chance to get some rest. 
Eter, what's what's the challenge this week facing a Minnesota offense that is really heavy on the run and focuses on mm-hmm. um, dominating time of possession? Um, you know, with, like you said, dominating time of possession, you know, trying to get those guys off the field um, and get our offense a chance to go out there and put up some points. And, um, you know, with a team like that who run the ball as much as they do in their consistency of their offense, you know, not drawing a lot of penalties and stuff. Uh, you just got to play discipline. You know, everyone's got to do their job. Um, and just to keep that up for four quarters, you know, and um, give our offense a chance to to do something. James had mentioned the their success on third down is partially because of how good they are on first down and getting into third and short situations. Yeah. How much are you guys as defense putting an emphasis on putting them in second and long, third and long situations this week? You know, that's been a huge emphasis. You know, Coach Bryce said, is, uh, you know, they get in situations where it's second and third and third and one, and, you know, that could end up having us in a long game. Um, just getting after it on first and second down, you know, we got to put those guys in negative yardage situations or no gain, so we uh, have a better chance of getting off the field because they're great in um, those situations where it's short. Yitor, uh, one of your teammates is in line, uh, P.J. Mustafer, to get a lot more, well, I guess a little bit more playing time to get the start Saturday against Minnesota. So, um, you know, as one of his teammates, I'm just curious, first of all, if you had to describe him in one word, uh, what would it be? And, and where's the confidence in, the, in this defensive line, you know, even with, you know, kind of a, a quote-unquote new guy, um, yeah. you know, starting this weekend? Uh, describe him in one word? I feel like it's hard. He's a huge personality. Um, but I think probably like hard working, you know, he's always someone after practice, you can find him uh, in the sled by himself or in a group uh, every Tuesday and Wednesday on uh, work days, he's out there striking the sled, getting extra work in. So, um, I mean, as a unit and as a defense, I think we have the utmost confidence to PJ, you know, uh, Tone not being able to start for us this week. Um, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to come in and uh, do his part, you know, since he's been here um he comes into the games and people see the flash like pj's a uh, big playmaker so i think it's just gonna be more opportunity for him to uh, really step into that role what time do you normally get up on game day like day to day yeah well like when a saturday comes around and you got to get up in the morning for like a noon kick oh saturday uh, i'm usually up at like 8 a.m does it make a difference at all that this game's starting at 11 instead of noon technically there. Um, I don't know what time we're waking up. I mean, I don't really think it's going to make much of a difference, honestly. Uh, we'll go out there and treat it the same way. Fair enough. Do you notice the difference in the size of the linemen that you're going up against? I mean, if you're going up against a 500-pound, I mean, not 500 pounds, but a, a very large guy versus maybe somebody <laughs> in the non-conference that's not quite your size, I mean, do you kind of notice that or are you just going out and doing your thing regardless? Uh, just more, more of a, you know, just going out there doing my thing regardless, you know. Um, the game plan, uh, my job, none of it changes based on who we're playing, so. Hey, Tor, how you doing? Um, had a chance to, to speak with Jason after the Michigan State game, yeah. and he, he said he, he felt like he needed that game. He felt mm-hmm. like uh, he was kind of pressing a little bit to that point, and, and it, to see that in the box score made a difference for him. Did you notice at all with Jason over the course of the year, like, you know, could you tell like he needed that kind of a game? That he was he acting like that at all? I don't think he was acting like it. Uh, maybe to himself, you know, his personal goals, whatever. But he approached practice the same way in terms of how he came uh, and worked out for the team. So um, 
you know, I know he was real excited, real happy that uh, he was able to do what he did on that Saturday. And it was a great moment for all of us, but uh, I couldn't tell. When you go to the package that, that you slide inside and, then, yeah. and Jason's opposite of Shaka, what does that front present to a defense, uh, to an offensive line um, in terms of the difficulty? Um, there's just a lot of speed coming from a lot of different places. So I think you know, a lot of his lines um, are real quick to uh, point out the protections um, and identify who's where. So uh, I would, I'm not too sure. I, when and when you're inside, I mean, is it, is it, is it a comfortable thing for you? Is it yeah, feel like something? I'm, if if say, you know, knock on wood, there was some kind of injury, and and with Antonio already missing, is it a spot you could spend some extended time in rather than just like a specialized package? Uh, I'd spend time wherever Coach Spence needs me to play, so it doesn't matter where it is on the line. Okay. okay. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Itor, we were asking Coach Franklin about the whole 1-0 mantra and how it yeah. seems like now you guys aren't just repeating it, you're kind of living it and embracing it. Was there a certain point where you felt like you took that on and weren't just reciting it? or you always? Uh, I'd say probably when I got back to school over the summer, uh, going into camp, and um, you know, I feel like there's something that really resonated with me when he was talking about how you know, it really makes a difference and, you know, teams, they try to prepare differently um, based on what week it is and the opponent. And you, pre uh, you approach it all the same way. You know, like, this is our championship. You know, like, this is the week, you know. And with that mindset, I feel like it creates a, a culture of winning. So. Was that kind of maybe difficult to do when you were younger and maybe you wanted to look ahead a little bit? Or? Yeah, you know, like, at first you um, get a place like this. Uh, you know, you play in, like, the big the big name schools versus, you know, some of our other opponents. Um, I feel like it's more difficult then, but as you grow and as you fall into, like, um, just the awareness, like, this is it, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, and you just trust and believe in the coaches. I think that's where it really... Will you even look at the college football playoff rankings tonight when they come out? or No. Okay. I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, kind of building off of a question from earlier. So Minnesota's right tackle weighs 136 pounds more than you and 157 pounds more than Shaka. Have you ever faced a weight disparity like that, you know, in your career? And, and how do you go about, you know, beating someone on the line who is almost, you know, like essentially more than 50% of your body weight? <laughs> uh, I don't think I have, honestly, but... Um... It'll be a great task. You know, they got some pretty good players on that side. Um, but I don't think the approach is going to be any different. Um, you know, his job is to block me, and my job is to get around him. So we'll figure something out. How have you guys kind of seen Rashid Walker develop here in the last year or so? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest growth with him was over spring ball. You know, at first yeah, it was obvious, you know, he's learning things and uh, stepping into, like, a new role. But I think his confidence from that point to the beginning of the season and the beginning of the season now has just grown so much. Uh, I think he's grown in one of the better players on this team. Um, he's done absolutely – he's done a great job. I can't remember if it was you or Shaka in the one clip in the spring that they tweeted out. And you guys, somebody beat him pretty bad. 
Um, did you hear his resume at all about that? I mean, because he's obviously held his own the shoot. I'm sorry, I didn't. I missed that. Yeah, you, there was a clip that was tweeted out in Spring Ball when mm-hmm. he got beaten pretty bad either by you or Shaka. Um, did you guys let him hear that, or was it just? I mean, because he's obviously held his own this year. Um, I I didn't say a word to him about it. Um, you know, I, I you know everyone loses reps. You know, no one's gonna win every single rep, so I uh, I don't think it really bothered him that much, or any of us. You know, he was gonna he's gonna win his battles um, sometimes and sometimes not. So, are there ways that you think maybe you know you guys have helped him or can help him? Maybe pointing out specific things that other ends might try to do to him or anything like that. Um, anything he's had a question on, we've been pretty good about answering and. Um, just going against them, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, this works, this works. And now it's more like, okay, now what works, you know, because he's developed a lot. So, Last one for me, I promise. Um, what do you think the ceiling looks like for Micah Parsons? Because we're seeing more and more from him every week. Yeah. Um, the ceiling, I don't know. I don't know what that would look like for him. You know, every day he goes out there, you know, he, I feel like he surprises me more and more. So... Um, he's just someone who just keeps growing. You know, I think he's going to end up having a phenomenal career. Do you remember the Nike camp in New Jersey? You were there, and Micah was there, and Damian, and he was kind of talking trash about how he was the, the best DN. Do you recall that? Yeah. What, what was going through your head when you see this kid? Because he's a little bit younger than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, PJ Mustafer was there, too. Um, but... It was just kids having fun. Um, and I, it was hard to, like, really imagine that we'd all be in this place at the same time uh, on a team like this. So, I mean, just to see, like, the dream come to fruition is it's incredible. And how much of a vocal leader has he come, become in the huddle over these last couple of years? Because it seems like linebacker would be a position where it kind of lends itself to that. Yeah, uh, I think he's definitely grown more and more uh, as the year has gone on. You know, in the beginning, he was a vocal leader still, but um, as the years gone on, he's really he's really become more of a voice. Uh, last winter, Terry Smith compared uh, Adiza Isaac to you. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy that we've quickly gotten to see play and burn his red shirt. What stands out about it, and, and do you see any similarities uh, from, from maybe where you were as a freshman to where he is right now? Yeah, I'd say his motor is, like, the thing that I see, like, in my, like from myself to him. Um, he's someone, even in practice, the plays across the field, he's still running, you know, and he's running past linebackers and DBs, whoever's in the way. Um, and he brings that in the game, too. He goes out there with a level of intensity, and, you know, just saying that uh, is going to be, like, really important for him, you know, in his career and stuff. And um, he's extremely hardworking, too. He's quiet sometimes, but, like, he's always doing his job, always where he needs to be. Um, I think he's, like, one of the people I've noticed since I've been here is, like, an incredibly high ceiling. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Anything else for you, Tor? I could ask just about one of your older teammates, Fred. Fred answered. We, yeah. we may or may not see more of him uh, with Antonio out for this game, but um, I think maybe he's surprising people how he came back from an injury and is really – been the number uh, number two t- tackle for you guys for a while. What does he do be, like that doesn't show up in the box score, I guess, because he's not the one who's racking up all the stats. Can't move that man. That dude is unmovable. You know, he comes off the ball, and sometimes he's getting double teamed, and you can see that like, 
they're fighting as hard as they can, but Fred's not going anywhere. So he doesn't jump off in the box score, but he's always um, helping out, helping out the linebackers if that's uh, not letting the guards slip and get to second level or. Um, he eats up his space for sure. Yitor Cross Matos. It'll be interesting. A lot of power by Minnesota up front, but they have not seen a defensive end with this kind of speed, and I could say the same thing about Shaka Tony. All right, we'll come back, wrap up the show in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. The Penn State Nittany Lions play on WKOK. Back goes Clifford off play action, waits. Long and deep down the middle. Hamler, KJ's there, got it. Touchdown, Penn State. Penn State football is sponsored by Murray Motor Chevrolet, Earth Energy Innovations, Register Chevrolet, First National Insurance, Sealands Grove Ford, Mart's Game Farm, Purdy Insurance Agency. Kickoff is set for noon in Minneapolis. We're on beginning at 1030 here on News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. with us closing out the show for today. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have on the show for the first time uh, Kevin McGuire, the host of Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. So that'll be tomorrow's show. Looking forward to that very much. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, let's see. Another request. This one from Alabama. Oh, okay. Tomorrow or later this week. Okay. Hmm. We'll think about it. <laughs> I'll consider it. Uh, I get to talk to you every day. I don't. I need to talk to the people. I've already turned down Atlanta. I had to because they wanted to do it Saturday. I'm like, I don't mind doing things Saturday. Yeah, I'd rather not, but can you do it at 11.20? Uh, on the air. 10.20? Uh, we're 10 minutes to airtime. No. Uh, let's see. 9.20? Oh, I'm on the bus. <laughs> Very demanding person. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty accommodating, but it's like, I'm sorry, but you do know what time the game kicks, right? Hello. <laughs> Hello there. This is not a 3.30 kick. <laughs> Uh, oh well, yeah, it's going to be chilly there. It's going to be chilly here. It's our forecast here. Call for a little bit of snow Thursday night, or possibly into Friday morning. A, a small, small accumulation. Calm down, oh. everybody. It's all good. We can handle it. Central PA it snows here every year. It's all right. Uh, you know, you get that uh, knee-jerk I mean, reaction with the first little touch of snow. Well, no, because I mean, the only reason I know it was going to snow is that the, the guy in the corner office was like, you know, like texting me, panicking. <laughs> but just in, ca- cool. just in case, but just in case, we do have the internet computer. It will be fired up and ready to go in case we need it on Friday morning. So, all somebody good said there. to me, somebody said to me, you know, it might be cold in Minneapolis. I said. <laughs> <laughs> And your name is Captain Obvious. Uh, I've seen uh, you on okay. TV. Excuse me, it's not July. <laughs> I got it. Hey, I said, well, every time I get that, I always say the same thing. I say, you do know I do basketball, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm there in February. Oh, the plane stories you've already told me over the years? Oh, my goodness. Uh, 
Wow. Milos Bogatich wearing shorts. His uniform gets on the bus in Minneapolis. It was 12. <laughs> he looks at Dick Girardi and sees his memo to Milos. Next time wear long pants, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.